0: We're in the middle of a series in the middle of Ecclesiastes, Uh, but I want to just kind of take a sidebar away from Ecclesiastes, and uh, I want to talk about um, what Jesus was doing the Wednesday before uh, he was crucified, and so uh, I don't know if you know this or not, um, but uh, many theologians... Uh, They call the Wednesday before Spy Wednesday. Isn't that something? Raise your hand if you already knew that. No, you didn't. You lied. <laughs> you did know that, man. Shoot, I was hoping nobody would raise their hand. Alan, you're just too smart. Um, but so so it's called Spy Wednesday, and I'm sure you guys can probably connect the dots on on why because it was the Wednesday before the crucifixion that Jesus. I'm sorry, Judas went to Caiaphas and uh, it, which was the the high priest. And and turned in his secrets and said, Look, uh, I know you want Jesus. I want you to have Jesus. Now watch this verse in Matthew chapter 26, verse 15. It says, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. What are you willing to give to me if I give him to you? You know, it, it's so interesting because... Our relationship with Jesus Christ uh, is always some type of a barter system. And it it shouldn't be that way, but it is. Because the enemy is constantly, constantly, since the Garden of Eden, coming to us saying, I will give you this if you will just stop serving God. Uh, I will give you... um, uh, you know a good time i i will give you a great life i will give you all these things but you have got to stop being so focused on pursuing jesus christ and usually a lifestyle like like that involves uh a lot of sin and and uh you know sin is kind of like a sneeze yeah, it is. It, just for one split second, it feels good, but there's snot everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> just make a big old mess. It's just a big mess that you got to clean up. And it, it's funny, but it's so true, isn't it? And it's just like during allergy season. I need to back off on this analogy. All right. You can just, never mind. Okay, so uh, I want to talk about Spy Wednesday. I want to talk about what actually took place on that Wednesday. Uh, so the first thing that happened is that Judas uh, sold his secret, um, his relationship, for 30 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I, I have. Why 30 pieces of silver? Why not 40? Why not 50? Why not 100? Anyone ever wonder that? Why 30 pieces of silver? What's fascinating is that there's actually two reasons why. Number one is it was fulfilling a prophecy that took place hundreds of years prior to that. Hundreds of years. In Zechariah chapter 12, 11 verse 12, it says, So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. This is a prophecy hundreds of years earlier. The coolest thing about the Bible to me is that it's 66 different books are inside of this one book it's like have you ever had a book of short stories is your college professor ever tell you to get that and in that book of short stories there's hundreds of short stories inside of that book and those short stories were good before they went into the book. They didn't get good just because somebody compiled them. They were good before that. Well, these 66 individual books in the Bible were outstanding before somebody compiled them. These 66 books were written over a period of 3,000 years from different continents, and they string together like a perfect thread through a sweater, just perfect. It's just amazing to me. So thousands of years, that was the first reason why is it it's just, just showing the legitimacy of the word of God. The second reason why it was 30 pieces of silver is it was their way the Sanhedrin, the high priest, the people that were giving the silver, it was their way of insulting Jesus. Because that was the price tag for a common slave in those days. They said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. He's worth about 30 pieces of silver because they thought so low of him. You know, if, you've, if you are familiar with some of the, the passages and stories in the Bible, it's interesting because there's, there were slaves that were bought uh, in, in the Bible. Um, like, for instance, Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery for 20 shekels Uh, Gomer was a a lady that was married to a guy named Hosea Uh, if you're planning on having any kids if it's a girl consider Gomer she'll love you for that (laughs) she will love you Uh, there's no uh, (laughs) Gomer pile is the only Gomer that I know Anyone here used to watch Gomer Pile? All right, awesome, awesome. That was when the TV, you had to put the top dial on you, right? And then you could spin the bottom dial, right? <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys are like, oh, you think you're so cool because you remember that. <laughs> I was around before there was TVs, you little whippersnapper. Um. I read, this, I read this story of this kid, he, he went up to, uh, he had an opportunity to talk to Ronald Reagan, and, and he said to Ronald Reagan, he said, you know, I, I don't know if, if your generation can connect with our generation, because uh, our generation has TVs, and, um, you know, your generation didn't. You know, we're a completely different generation, I don't know if you understand us And Ronald Reagan said, "You know, you're making a good point. We didn't have TVs. We actually were the ones that invented the TVs." (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So, um, so Jesus, so so Gomer was sold for 15 pieces of silver, and so then Jesus came along and he was sold for 30 pieces of silver. So that's what took place during the day on Wednesday. Now. Wednesday night took a completely different shift because uh, all those things were happening uh, without Jesus being there. And Jesus knew that it was all happening, but he wasn't there for that. In the evening, he was in a town called Bethany. Now, keep in mind that five days from this point, or actually 48 hours from this point, he's going to be crucified. So he's with Um, he's not with his disciples he's with he's with his disciples but he's also with some other close friends he's with Lazarus you know Lazarus come forth that was Lazarus the guy that 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 he called out of the grave and with his sisters Mary and Martha they're having a dinner now what's interesting is that Wednesday night when they're having dinner they're not sitting at a dinner table like you guys do Or like I do, they're not sitting at a table. Their tables were about two feet off the ground, and they were real long. They'd sit on pillows and blankets. They'd gather around like that. Um, So if you could go back in time, in like the DeLorean, if you could go back in time and invent chairs, you'd make millions. Somebody came along and like was like, you know what? I'm tired of sitting on the floor. Oh make me a i'm gonna make something you can sit a little bit higher, and somebody probably said that'll never work isn't that funny? It's like you're crazy that would never work, but no, 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 follow me here follow me so they 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 sat down now, why is that important? because the men would only eat with the men. no women can eat with men, okay it was messed up they could they could cook they could serve but they couldn't eat with them. That kite would not fly in 2016. <laughs> would it? I'm looking at the ladies like, "Oh no, it would." So, there was <laughs> there's the Jesus his his disciples. I don't know if Judas was there or not. Uh, now he probably was there because the Last Supper with the disciples was on on uh, Thursday night, and this is on Wednesday night. Now Judas had just turned in; he's already made the arrangement just hours before the arrangement. So that happened Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening. He's eating dinner with Jesus. jerry jerry that's just messed up it's 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 drama it's 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 horrible it's it's just messed up and so jesus is sitting there he's eating um and then all of a sudden mary comes in the room now mary's not supposed to be in the room okay she's not supposed to be in there she comes in there and she sits down at the table Now, everyone's trying to be okay with this because Jesus is okay with this. But nobody's okay with it. But they're going to be okay with it because Jesus is okay with it. But they're not okay with it. It's totally against customs of those days. Then, all of a sudden, something wild happens. She takes this box and she breaks off the top and begins to pour. Now watch this. It was 12 ounces of perfume. Just began to pour on his feet. Now if you read each of the Gospels, she doesn't just pour the perfume on his feet. She also pours it on his head but if you read all of the Gospels and you put the story together because each Gospel shares a different point. One Gospel said she poured it on his feet. The other Gospel said she poured it on his head. And then there's another one says that she was preparing his body for the burial. So it's very likely that she poured it from the top of his head all the way down to the soles of his feet. Now, Imagine you're sitting at this table. This woman comes in and starts pouring anointing oil all over Jesus. And we're going to act like we don't see it. (laughs) It's, It's like, what is happening right now? Now she starts crying. Now it's... The whole dinner is all messed up now. Then she does something even more radical than that. She takes off her head covering. Undoes her hair. This is a big no-no. You cannot take your head covering off in those days if you're a woman. She takes off her head covering. Then she undoes her hair. And begins... To take her hair and dry up the oil with her hair. Now, when I was reading some of the commentaries on this, one of the commentaries says that they had to have been awkward because, and they use this word, that was on the seductive side. I kind of got a little defensive when I read that. Because I was like, wait a minute here. Don't be trying to paint a scene that wasn't happening here. She was not trying to come on to Jesus. But understand, if you're a guy or if you're a woman, put yourself in that situation. If you're a woman and you're taking your hair and you're wiping on a guy's feet... That's creating a moment. Seductive is the wrong word. I'm only using that word because that was the word that the commentary had. But it's incredibly intimate. That's a better word. Isn't that a better word? I should be a theologian. So, (laughs) the, the only problem is, is the only thing I know is things that... Other people have taught me. I don't have any original thoughts. So I can't be a theologian. But they, they, they she took it. And so and now it's very intimate. It's very intimate. Judas says out loud. What everybody else is thinking. What are you doing? Now he's so... His heart has turned so much. He's got a purse underneath his cloak, a bag with 30 coins of silver in it. He is so tied up with money that he's put off by her. But he's also looking at the money that she just wasted on Jesus. Now, most of us have heard this story before, but just register this. It was equivalent the it was the, the Bible says that it was equivalent to three hundred denarii or denarii, depending on where you're from in America, denari, denari. denarii, denarii. A denari was equivalent to one day's pay. And so if you take out. If you take out all the feasts. And sabbaths. Where somebody wouldn't work. There's about 300 days of working. One denarii per day. Equals 300 denarii. Which is equivalent to an entire Year's wage. If you make minimum wage, you're making $10,000 a year. So at the very least, she took $10,000 worth of perfume and poured it all over him. $10,000. $10,000. A bottle of cologne that I wear is about $69. And I only do like three squirts because I'm going to spread that out. <laughs> $10,000 in a moment. $10,000. Ten, I don't care who you are in this room, and I don't care how much money you make. Ten thousand dollars is a lot of money for all of us. Ten thousand dollars in a moment. So Judas is incredibly disturbed, to say the least. I want to pull out three things about that moment that I feel like are apropos to you and I. Number one, um, pursuing Jesus is uncomfortable. If you pursue Jesus with with all that you have, prepare to be uncomfortable, and I want to talk specifically about relationally uncomfortable if you're single there's people that you can't date anymore if you want to be close to Jesus it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable um, I went on a cruise a while back, and, and my brother, uh, Nathan, went on the cruise with us. And so, uh, and my brother-in-law, Brent, was on the cruise with us. Well, my wife and I have three kids, so at 8.30, see you later, we're gone. Nine, nine o'clock, we're gone. We're in, the, in this little room the size of a shoebox, and we're putting kids to bed for three and a half hours. We're all sharing this room in a cruise and, and you know, threatening kids. If I hear you one more time, I'm going <laughs> to throw you overboard. All that stuff is going on. My brother is in his early 30s. My brother-in-law is in his early 30s. They're both single. The night is young. They're karaoke I saw some video of that. I wish I could put it on that screen, but they're karaoke and they're having a ball. One of the mornings, I'm asking my brother, How was it last night? Oh, it's fine. I said, Did you meet anybody special? Yeah, really? Blah, blah, blah. He goes, "Uh, One problem, she's a Muslim. And I said, uh, I said, okay. I don't know where he's going with this, so I'm just going to play Switzerland, right? I'm just, okay. He goes, I really like her, Frankie. I really, really like her. I'm like, you're on a cruise. We get off in like three more days. Where does she live? Michigan. <laughs> You're not allowed to fall in love on a cruise. This isn't the love boat. It's like, well, you know, what do you think dad will think? Why are we talking about dad? You're on a cruise. Do I got to go back over this again? (laughs) Uh, I I think I really like her. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play along with you. I'm going to play along. Um, So you think she could be the one? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm looking at Allie like, is there a hidden camera <laughs> that I don't know about? You think you found the one on a cruise? If you found the one on a cruise, I feel real awkward right now. But So he's like trying to work this out. So he talks with her about it. He says, look, I like you a lot, I like you a whole lot. Um, there's just there's just one problem. Um, you're, he called. I hope that you guys don't take this disrespectfully. I'm just quoting my brother. He goes, "You're a muzzy," and she goes, "What's a muzzy?" Because <laughs> you're a muzzy and I, and 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 I'm not. And and she goes, "I'm a Muslim. That's a problem to you?" And he says, "Yeah." She goes, "I don't see what the problem is. You're a Christian. I'm a Muslim. What's a big deal?" He's like, no, it's a big deal. And, and my dad and my brother are preachers. Because <laughs> Christmases can get real awkward. She's like, I don't see what the problem is. She's like completely straight-faced. I don't see what the problem is. And see, that's the trouble with the world that we live in today is you try to live with Jesus and be comfortable at the same time. I'm going to tell you, if you're comfortable with that, Jesus is very uncomfortable. He's incredibly uncomfortable. Judas was uncomfortable. She's pursuing Jesus with everything that she has. The most sacrificial person, arguably, in the Bible outside of life, uh, giving up their own life for Jesus, making the biggest sacrifice that we can read about in the Bible outside of laying down their own life. It is incredibly awkward. Very, very, very awkward. It's incredibly awkward that you have got to give up certain relationships As long as you live, not just when you're single. There's a lot of people, a lot of people that I can't be friends with anymore. I'll go out with somebody one time and say, I'll never go out with that guy again. It's just, it's just uncomfortable. And it should always be uncomfortable. Understand this, that if you're ever living for the Lord and you're just blending in, if people around you don't know that you are hardcore, passionate with for the Lord, if people don't know that, and you've become comfortable around them because they don't know that, I just want you to know something is wrong there. Something's wrong there. Number two that we pull from Bethany, which was the town that Jesus was eating in, is Pursuing Jesus is costly. Do you know that that $10,000 was a a part of her dowry? D-O-W-R-Y, dowry. Now, in our world, in our society, this is not something that normally takes place. But let me explain to you what took place in those days. Um, I'll use Allie and I for an example. Allie's my wife if you don't know that. So, um, if we lived in those days, I would come to her, I would court her, I would get permission from her parents, all this kind of stuff. And if I finally got to the point where I could marry her, her and her family have got to give me a gift. I don't know why we got rid of this rule. I don't see what the problem was. But anyway, <laughs> why did we scrap that? that was, it was going so well. Um, but, but they have been saving up for this moment. And so it's called the dowry. And, and it's, it's usually several different things. There's a bunch of gifts involved that's given to the groom. It's, it, I don't know if they're like, thank you for taking her. And here's some gifts to go along with it. Um, but it, it was like, we honor you. You are now going to be taken care. You, you are now the leader of her household. And so she gives him a gift. The family gives him a gift. And they've been saving this up for years and years and years. It's called the dowry. This alabaster box is something that she has been saving up for years and years and years and years to present to her fiancé, her husband. And she's taken all of that and she's giving it to the Lord. And see, what happens today is the exact opposite. Is... Lord, you are asking something from me, but all of the devotion that I'm supposed to give to you, I'm actually going to give it to Fred. And, and you are going to have to get the leftovers. What she did is she did the exact opposite. She's saying, I, was, I had this vision for my life. I had this, this is what I see my life being. But now that I've met you, all of those visions and dreams, it doesn't even matter anymore. The most important thing that matters to me now is letting you know that you mean everything to me. You mean everything me I'm gonna live the rest of my life doing that starting right now it's costly it's costly it will cost you something to follow the Lord it may, for most of us it's nothing for most of us I say this it's nothing to that extreme financially I say that because there are some people that are called to do that. But for most of us, there's no extreme financial sacrifice. But there is a sacrifice, and you know it when it comes. You know it when it comes. The very last one is pursuing Jesus has unbridled blessings. Unbridled. Which means, you know, when you, if you were to ride a horse with no bridle, it's, it's, it's capable of going anywhere. It's, it, you have no idea where it's going. And, and the blessings of God, they're, they're capable of hitting any area of your life. You have no idea where they're going. And, and this is where I get this. If you imagine taking, what did I say? It was 10 ounces? Did I say that? 12 ounces. Thank you. You guys are listening so good if If we're in a small home and and i've been to jerusalem i 've seen their homes they're very small most of the time it's just one one big space, sometimes maybe one or two other spaces, and they would actually combine homes and have a big space in the middle like in like an atrium space but anyway, they weren't very big because it was very hard for them to build they didn't it, it was very hard anyway. If you take 12 ounces of perfume and you're in a small, closed-in space and you start dumping that perfume all over the place, what happens to the room? The entire room, the fragrance... Of that perfume is now everywhere. When you worship deeply, the fragrance changes the atmosphere of the room. But it has to be a sincere, fervent worship. It is often costly. And it is often uncomfortable. But it changes the atmosphere. What you feel in your spirit, in your heart, in this room right now is not something that you are going to feel when you're at the mall or if you're at Fuddruckers or Olive Garden. There's something different about this room and what you're feeling is the residue of worship in the atmosphere that we have for the last 23, 24 minutes just got done worshiping God. That fragrance is in the atmosphere. And if you and I can learn anything from that, we get into our car and we go, I want the atmosphere in this car to begin to change. We go home and... We have such an advantage, Uh, technology is is giving us such an advantage, because you can have an iPod of millions of songs or, or thousands of songs and hook it up into your house and just create an atmosphere. You know what's so cool is, think about this. If somebody were to walk into that room, let's say, let's say Peter was late for dinner, which is not a far throw. <laughs> Peter's late for dinner, she's already poured. He comes walking in. Whoa. When you change the atmosphere, you can affect people that weren't a part of the change. So, if you've got someone in your family, somebody you work with, somebody in your life that is causing affliction, the Bible says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So, it changes the atmosphere, it changes hearts, people that weren't even a part of the sacrifice. In closing, I'll share this. Isaiah or whomever can come down. Watch this. That event happened in Bethany. Let me share this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, so this is like he's he's a week away, Jesus resolutely set out for jerusalem so i'm going to jerusalem i talked about this last sunday i'm going to jerusalem the passover is in jerusalem after the passover i'm going to be crucified i'm going to jerusalem all of this is going to happen to jerusalem so he has made up his mind resolutely i love that word i'm not flinching i'm not changing my mind i'm going to jerusalem so he's on his way to jerusalem He's on his way out for Jerusalem, set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. Hey, Peter, we're going to Jerusalem. But before we get to Jerusalem, let's stop at Samaria. Why don't you go ahead, get us a hotel. We're going to stop and eat for lunch. You go ahead and go ahead going to Samaritan to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. They said, uh, hey, Peter, how are you? Yeah, I need a room for 12. Who's your 12? It's going to be me, a group of guys, and Jesus. Whoa. We don't want him here. Maybe you don't want him here. And that's fine. I'll go somewhere else. Come on, Peter, th- I don't know if it was Peter or not, but they, they were sharp guys. Maybe you don't want him here. I'll go somewhere else. We don't want him here. Hey, forget you. I say, We don't want him either. We don't want him either. So he goes back to Jesus. When James and John saw this, sorry, it wasn't Peter, it was James and John. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, look, look, at, look at their logic, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? <laughs> Anyone here get upset with yourself for having a bad attitude or being saying something you wish you didn't say? You can't top these guys. You should feel good about yourself. You're not even close to these guys. These guys want them dead. The disciples of Jesus. Jesus, But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Not Samaria, not, not, not uh, the Samaritan village. His own guys. He's, he's mad at them for even thinking like that. Well, watch this so they went on to another village in chapter 10 he goes to Bethany and he has this dinner and he gets anointed by oil from Mary but all of that experience it could have happened at the Samaritan village all of those people could have experienced who knows who knows I don't know maybe he would have sent word to Lazarus and Mary and Martha and say hey come on over here and see it over here all I know all I know is that the Samaritan people could have experienced something phenomenal but for whatever reason they didn't want anything to do with it for whatever reason, so Jesus went to Bethany. I don't know how you're wired up, but I don't want to be the person that lives a life that communicates I'm busy going to somebody else. I don't want to be that person that communicates that. Now, I'm emphasizing the word communicates because the Bible says, many of you, your, your lips are close to me, but your hearts are far from me. In other words, I hear what you're saying, but what I'm seeing is completely different from what I'm hearing. I don't want to be that guy that says the right thing, but if you could watch my life, it reflects a person that doesn't have time or isn't willing to be uncomfortable or isn't willing to make a costly decision even if it's going to affect my friends or my finances or my job. I don't want to be that guy. And I believe that I'm in this room with many people who don't want to be that person either. And the cool thing is, is that mercy forgives us, but grace changes us. So when we say, I need your grace and mercy... We're saying, forgive me, but help me not to do that anymore. So that's why we say we need your grace and mercy. Help me not to do that anymore. So he begins to change us and make us into the kind of person that says, don't go to Bethany. They're great, but I want you, right? You deal with Bethany some other time. I want you right now. I want you right now.